In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Hello everyone, welcome to After Advent. Hope that the last couple of weeks went well for you. For us, we are potty training my two-year-old, which is really, really crappy, as you can imagine. I don't apologize for that pun at all. Today I'm going to talk about something that is uh, a little closer to home, something that I keep coming back to and I'm sure that um, some of you will as well. Um, And that is, why does... Satan, keep bringing your past embarrassing moments back to mind. Why can't we, for some reason, let those ones specifically go? Well, I'll answer that question with another question. What other weapon does he have? I mean, if you're fostering your heart towards the Lord, and you are beginning to desire the things that he desires, not to desire the things of this world, and the enemy is limited to a certain number of assaults against your soul, what else does he have? I mean, if you've been diligent in seeking the Lord, and he through grace has been changing your heart, you are removing temptations and desires in your life that you used to have, you are changing the way that you process things to only desiring things of heaven, And things of the earth, those things that are not helpful for you, you are no longer desiring. If you are getting rid of the very obvious sins in your life, and you are submitting your heart to the Lord, and you are pursuing him in everything, you've effectively eliminated about half of the enemy's weapon locker. I mean, mainly the things of this world, the desires of the flesh, greed, lust, envy, If these things are no longer available for the enemy to attack you with, then he's not going to use those because they won't have any reasonable effect. I mean, if you have been doing works of charity, if you have been giving what you have to the poor, your alms, your tithes, and you previously had uh, an obsession with money and greed and stuff, and you've been taking these steps to eliminate that in your heart, and you find that over time and the grace of the Lord that you no longer have that same attachment to things and the enemy realizes that he's not going to be attacking you at your strong point anymore that's just dumb you don't attack a city where its gates are the strongest you try to find the areas that are the weakest and embarrassment shame uh, these areas that attack our pride those are areas that are still some weak points. Those are the gutters that run underneath the city that the enemy will still continue to try to use. Because the enemy is a crafty one and he's going to avoid the things that aren't going to work, he will continue to try to undermine your integrity and your virtue. He'll try to hit you with these again and again and again, especially by reminding you of the times where your integrity, your virtue, your confidence were shaken. That said, if you find yourself attacked by these past memories time and time again, or even just periodically, that is a time to rejoice. That's a time to be excited. Because that means that the enemy is starting to go bankrupt in his attempts to attack your soul. And you can effectively bring these memories to the cross. Give them over 
to the one who has authority over them, ask the Blessed Virgin and the saints intercession, and effectively be done with them. Though they're painful, their authority over you is bankrupt. They are dead under the cross, and you are living a new life. Those are skeletons. Those are the ghosts of Christmas past. If in those memories you find things that you've confessed already, things that you've already given over to the Lord, things that you have reconciled with God and man, then ultimately they have no power over you. Now, if in those memories you find things that you've not confessed, I strongly encourage you to go to confession, find the person who you have wronged, find your pastoral authority, give those over to the Lord in the sacrament of confession. It is important to give these things over to God to allow his grace to forgive you, to clean you, and to repair you from those wounds. Because one thing that is invariable about these memories is that we are wounded by them. To that end, I also really encourage you, if in your discernment you determine that there's something else in those memories that's not yet been addressed, that you've not actually sat down to consider, that God is through these attacks bringing things up that he still has yet to heal in you, I would really encourage you to bring those to uh, a a pastoral figure uh, to seek spiritual guidance, uh, to bring it to a trusted spiritual friend, to talk those out, to bring them into the open, to allow someone else to do battle for you, to intercede for you, Uh, to take those sorts of things seriously because we in the spiritual life need to take every opportunity we possibly can to advance upon the enemy, to drive him back, to not give him any purchase in our lives. While he attacks you with these things, with these memories, with these embarrassments, he's actually doing you a favor. He's showing you where you are still weak, where you are still vulnerable, where you still hurt where you still need healing, where God has not completely and totally taken lordship in your life. That's not to say that it is entirely your fault. Many of these things are actually things done to us, not things that we participated in. But nonetheless, there's still wounds that you have. They're still the result of sin. Maybe not your sin, but still the result of sin. And that is exactly why Jesus came to die. So, take the opportunity to bring those over to the Lord and submit them to him. It is entirely possible that the Lord is still helping you discern something, that there is still something there for you to learn. That said, the persistent nagging, the dragging down, the teaching you that you're worthless, um, that these memories can provide, that is not something that the Lord would offer you. He does not want to tell you that you're not worth something. He is not going to tell you that you're an embarrassment. He is not going to tell you all of the evil, evil things that these memories can bring up. The Lord will, however, say that I was there with you. I will help you carry this. I will help shoulder your burden. Now, I've gotten this far without addressing a few fundamental assumptions, so forgive me for doing a little rambling and a little bit of ranting. These are some of the things that in my life I have started to come to the conclusion of 
started to realize that all of the times that I look back in distress on some of my own failings, some of the sins that have been done to me, and sins that I have committed against others, I despair, I get embarrassed, I try to avoid remembering it or looking at it, um, and it's been a source of uh, consternation and at times bitterness in my heart, in my prayer life, in the way that I treat others, because I can be having a perfectly great day and then all of a sudden it's as if the world crashes down around me because I remember a time that I was a fool, times that I did not listen to the Lord, times that I went my own way, and I can get kind of down about myself and beat myself up about it. So this is hot off the press in my own prayer life. Uh, some of the assumptions that I'm coming at you with is that your past doesn't own you. Your past happened. You may have participated in it. You may not have. But it isn't you right now. You made decisions then, as did other people in your life. You've moved on past that time. Hopefully we will learn from those experiences, but they have already happened. They aren't right now. They brought you to where you are today, and Jesus has used them and will continue to use them to help you mature. Dwelling on things that happened in the past is just a tactic from the enemy to assault your heart. It is a zombie. It is actually a dead creature. Its primary mission is twofold. The first is to dishearten you and thereby steal your joy and stall your spiritual progress towards your heavenly home, the one who loves you, and to prevent you from realizing that you are living in the kingdom of God right now. There is no value in constantly dwelling on these things. There is only value in lifting the past up to the Lord, asking him to help you decipher what you need to learn from it, and use it as a prayer to benefit yourself, your spiritual life, and others. We lift these sufferings up to the Lord just like Christ offered up his suffering to the Lord in sacrifice on behalf of others. Only love conquers this kind of suffering and death. It's also worthwhile asking Jesus where he was in those moments. I've noticed that in some of my most embarrassing and shameful moments, Jesus has told me that he was holding back yet other floodwaters, things that could have been worse to drown me. In those moments, I see little pinpricks of grace, little pinpricks of light that when I was just trying to avoid those moments and not bring them to the Lord, I could never see. All I saw was the darkness. It was as if I was drowning again and I was thrashing under the surface and just tried to get back out because I know what that nightmare is like. But when I brought these to the Lord, started to incorporate those moments when I am brought back to those places in my past and my mind to lift them up to the Lord and ask Jesus, I don't know where you were in those moments. Would you show me that he does start to show you that doesn't make the whole situation good. That doesn't make it ideal. That doesn't mean that God loves the fact that that happened to you far from it. But it does mean that Jesus walked with you there too. 
So while I felt like I was drowning, Jesus was there preventing me from actually drowning. Of these sorts of struggles, I recall St. Paul discussing a thorn in his side, and that he asked Jesus three times to remove it. Do you remember Jesus' response to St. Paul? My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made evident in your weakness. St. Paul didn't like that answer. St. Paul didn't want that answer. St. Paul wanted the thorn in his side to go away. I want those memories to go away. I don't want to have to look back on my past and go, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did that thing. St. Paul said that the Lord gave that thorn to him so that he would not become too elated. In other words, so that he would be and remain humble. These memories of our past, the times of the darkness of sin, may be the same. I wonder if that thorn in St. Paul's side is remembering time and time again how he helped persecute the church, how he held the coats for people to kill the holy Saint Stephen. I can't speak for him. He certainly hasn't told me, but I'll bet that he had to have that memory healed, much like we have memories that we need healed. Those memories often serve as thorns in our side to remind us of our weakness and how we need the Lord now and again. Our consciences revolt at that memory like our bodies do to physical wounds. We know that it's not meant to be that way. And we know that it isn't that way at the same time. We somehow live in this now but not yet kingdom of Jesus Christ where we remember the times where we failed in the past, the ways that sin has affected us, and yet we also know that the kingdom has come, that joy is here, that the wounds that we have experienced are healed, that love has won, and that those moments of darkness and death don't actually get to decide anything anymore. It is a very awkward tension. But that's what it's like to live in this age of after Advent, while we have experienced Christ coming and yet we still wait for him to come again. I think that the practical takeaway that we have from those past memories and our struggles with them is that Christ has indeed come, and by merit of our baptism, those things no longer have power over us like they did. We can come to Christ with those things and offer them up to him, give him kingship over them, and trust him to use those attacks to usher us into a greater realization of the kingdom of God all around us, the grace that is constantly there, and just how much he loves us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your help, implored your protection, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope that you all have a very blessed Easter week. Um, and I will see you in another couple of weeks. Godspeed.